Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome in to this episode of Big Drive Energy. I am your co-host, Spencer Smith, being joined here virtually of course by my brother Mitchell Smith who's in warm sunny Scottsdale Arizona you can you know what a you know what brother it's cold <laughs> as shit here and it's actually oh, yeah. warm it's actually warm today and it was like 30 and it felt warm because I, it's I been left zero. at the perfect time it's, it's been great I can't complain I know you guys were down here last weekend and it or was it last weekend or two weekends ago yeah two weekends ago and the weather like wasn't that great I mean it's it hasn't been crazy good here uh it was about like 65 degrees out on the golf course today so oh fucking um, boohoo yeah it was terrible i i didn't enjoy myself at all so uh no it's been awesome we've had a blast so far that's awesome we got to go to a coyotes game that's fire yeah it was more just to feel something like i don't give a shit about the coyotes or the blues like i could i could not care less about them but just that live game action um, I was gambling the entire game on the game just to spruce it up a little bit, you know, get all the juices flowing. Um, That's fire. So can you do it, like, in the game? Um, like, what is No, the... you can't do it at the game. DraftKings isn't legal in Arizona. Ah, uh-huh, that makes so, sense. Yes, yeah, so Which, I had to gamble Speaking of it. DraftKings, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's <laughs> top-rated sportsbook. The number one choice for sports books from big drive energy in in america even yeah i mean us america i think we're a little bit more important than like the public opinion so oh absolutely um, yeah they're our favorite so that matters uh but yeah it's i'm only playing one round of golf i played today because i'm only down here a couple days but it's better than nothing you know the front nine was very rusty uh I was ball in hand on a few holes, so I was playing with uh, my buddy Eric Hallberg, who we had on the, the pod a few weeks or a few weeks back, a few months back, and then another one of our friends, Stephen Cupcho. Um, he, he's the older brother of Jennifer Cupcho, who's an LPGA tour star, basically. Um, yeah, she's Colorado. a baller. Yeah, Colorado product went to Wake Forest. Uh, she's one of the best women's golfers in the nation, and that's his little sister, so. Um, and he's a, a great playing professional in his own right. He's been pro for probably five or six years now, and he's won quite a few things. And um, he was my teammate because I was the one who was the rustiest, and Eric isn't very uh, on top of his game either. So um, they decided to split us up because it wouldn't be very fair. Um, those guys just 
And then another guy was uh, it was Luke. I'm not sure his last name, but he also plays full time. It was one of their buddies down here. So um, I was Steven's teammate, and Steven had tap in birdies on one and two. So my six footers for par were good. Um, <laughs> the quick rakes, they were good. Um, I threw in. I think I. I don't know. I don't know what I shot on the back nine. I really wasn't trying to score, but I threw in a couple of clutch birdies. I birdied 17 um, on the, like, triple. Eric is one of us. He's a degenerate gambler, so he pressed the front because they were down on the front, um, and then he pressed twice on the back, and he pressed on the 17 tee box, and I proceeded to hit it to, like, 12 feet and make a two. Um, He wasn't very happy about that considering how god-awful I had been. I mean, so I birdied 10 and 17, um, so not my best showing, but I, I made it happen at the right time. So we uh, we ended up coming out victorious, and I parred 18, but it really was kind of a foregone conclusion at that point because Steven had like 10 feet for birdie. So um, Steven really carried me today, but it was fun. He shot 68, um, and out of Desert Forest, that is quite the number. Like That is one of the hardest golf courses. I think I've talked about it before, but – one of the hardest golf courses I've ever played. Um, one of the most fun, though, really tests your ability to shot shape. you got to hit it straight. All the sides of the fairways funnel off into the desert, um, which I found a few of. Um, I think I only lost one ball all day. It was like the 14th hole. And I was like, well, if I can get around here and only lose one ball, um, I'm doing pretty well. So it was a good time overall. Uh watching some good golf even if i wasn't playing it yeah isn't that funny like this is gonna sound kind of conceited but it's just the way it is with us being golf professionals and i'm saying that with air quotes like when you go and play a match and you're like you're the weakest link it's like uncomfortable kind of yeah i mean i'm sure you know i'm not taking anything away from you you can play with those dudes but we live in colorado we're just not that good this time of year so yeah i haven't played in three months and yeah they actually wanted to like give me a shot or two and i'm like i'm not taking shots no no especially because steven was my teammate i was like i don't need shots um i'll throw in some bird i I probably made a dozen pars and two birdies and then just three or four uh ball in pocket um or just don't even play the hole you're just over there like texting or whatever and (laughs) the only shots i'm taking are fireball exactly yeah so there's a few ruffles here and there uh but I held my own, you know, for not playing in a few months, and it was just a, a good time. But, yeah, I felt kind of disrespected when they are like, do you want a couple of strokes? And I'm like, no, I, I really don't, actually. <laughs> no, um, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm chill. I agree. But that's the funny thing is I'm like a – I mean, even today, you, I could probably pass for a scratch golfer. So the fact that they want to give me a couple shots – like, I mean, Steven's like – if he were to keep a handicap, probably be a plus five, plus six. And same with Eric. Like, if he would, Eric's not really playing full time right now, but if he was, like, those guys are just that good. They're going to go shoot three, four, five, six under, whatever they want. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, like, my game is definitely nowhere near that shape, but it was still fun to watch Steven shoot 68. Hit a couple of really, really good shots, had a couple of tap ins, and. It'd be fun. We were talking about maybe getting him on the pod at some point, so we might have that in the works. That would be a, a fun one. Maybe even get his sister, see how the uh, LPGA is treating him. So, yeah, how, that's yeah, that's awesome, dude. I'd love to have him on. Um, speaking of Eric and you playing golf, uh, one thing we were going to talk about today and kind of going to be the focus of the pod. We'll get to a little bit of the tournament last weekend. Discuss our picks, our fucking heartbreaking top ten finish. Um, or not top 10 finish, I should say, from our boy Kevin Streelman fucking choking it down the back nine. Oh, that made me so mad. And then he had, like, a five-footer on 18 to put himself in the top 10, and he missed it and ended up finishing 11th. So not a great week for us. Only one pick hit with my Daniel Berger, but he did win the tournament, so that's pretty fire. Of course, I didn't give out that pick because I'm an idiot. What a clutch putt on 18, though. I mean... You go, like, you need a two-putt, basically, to take the lead, and you just make it. Like, what kind of stones do you have doing that, you know? Oh, yeah, dude. Stupid. Yeah, that was nuts, because, like, they were like, well, uh, because Maverick McNeely, who made a fucking run at the end there and made it close, he, uh... 
he had an eagle putt to take the lead essentially at that point because he would that would have put him at 17 under and Berger at eight, at 16 heading into the 18th hole, and then um, he missed it, made it, got to 16, but then Berger's at 16 and just hit the green in two stones on one of the toughest holes um, in the on the PGA Tour really in 18. If you hit some wonky shots, you can be in a lot of trouble really quick. And he just makes eagle and fist pumps, and it was awesome. I, our tweet, I tweeted a uh, burger down when he fell in the bunker after he lifted out, and then burger up when he won the title. So, that's out. yeah. I can't believe that bunker shot didn't drop. That was unreal. But uh, fun fact about Maverick McNeely: his dad is a tech billionaire, and so they actually have a house on one of the holes on Pebble Beach. They're all like fifty plus million dollar houses. And his dad's is one of them. So I think he's pretty familiar with the layout um, when you have a house on the course. I think that's kind of a, uh, works to his advantage a little bit. Well, yeah, I think he was saying that uh, it's like his gift to, uh, or his like 16th birthday is the first time he ever played Pebble Beach. And I was like, so two weeks ago, that dude looks like he's younger than shit. <laughs> it's yeah, insane. Oh, I was watching it and half these guys are like pimple face. I'm like, are you 16? Like. I know they would all whip my ass, but they look like they're legitimate high schoolers. Dude, I know. It's insane how, like, we're getting older. Like, we're getting to that point where we're older than most of these dudes, and it makes me kind of sick to my stomach. Like, it makes me sick that I idolize people that are, like, three years younger than me. Like, it is some topsy-turvy-ass world we live in here. Yeah, like, watching half these, like, guys on tour, it... I just don't understand how you get so good so quick. It's like all Yeah, I mean, you grow up in a country club. You don't have to work a nine-to-five. You don't have to work whenever. I mean, you live on the golf course. The golf course is your job, and that's how these guys do it. And uh, Some people, you know, some people took a, a tougher path, but 99% of the PGA Tour is country club kids. Um, and that's not really what we're promoting. You know, we, we prefer the public golfer. That's... That's who we enjoy playing golf with because, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of cool country club people, and, like, Desert Forest is a country club I played today. And one of the ladies I ran into that worked there was, um, she made some sort of comment about, oh, we don't want that at a private club. Not anything directed towards me, but I was like, oh, yeah, well, I mean, I work at a public uh, golf course. So totally different demographic, you know, that – you don't get quite the same people, and, and that's totally fine with us. We prefer the public golfer as opposed to the uh, the private golfer. But that is, I mean, factually speaking, that is what a lot of PGA Tour guys are, is uh, they're country club kids, and that's their job is to play golf. Yeah, speaking of the public golfer, almost the ultimate public golfer, Happy Gilmore. Um, there's a tweet today. 25 years ago today, Happy Gilmore overcame a four-stroke deficit on the back nine to win the Tour Championship in honor of his buddy Chubbs Peterson. And uh, and then Adam Sandler kind of set the world on fire with his with his golf shot today. And then Oh, dude, he made he made great contact, yeah. too. Like, it looked like it, I, I couldn't do that, 100%. And then Shooter McGavin tweeted a video, too, responding to it. But, like, Happy Gilmore is like a funny movie when you watch it, right? And, but, like, when you go and think about what Happy Gilmore represents, it's all of us. It's, it's like, yeah, it's the public golfer. Yeah, it's the public golfer, like, becoming great. And not everybody becomes great and wins tour championships, but it's the guys wearing, like, a, a Subway T-shirt and putting with a hockey stick. Like, that's what we want golf to become. That's what we're trying to get it to is, is not the guys that are like Shooter McGavin, the big douchebags, but guys like Happy Gilmore enjoying golf, and then it's even cooler when they're, like, good at it. So. Oh, for sure, dude. I think it's great. And I was disappointed in two things from Shooter's um, video response. One, he didn't do the finger guns. I'm like, he put it in like it? a cut. How do you do anything at being him and not do the finger guns? Yeah, exactly. Like, I would do finger guns for everything. Like, oh, I, I just got done using the restroom. I'd, like, look at the toilet and do finger guns. Like, <laughs> just... <laughs> Shit, like, I would do finger guns everywhere and then just blow it and holster it, you know? Like, that's my shit. Um, and then another thing he didn't do is, like, be like, hey, Adam, meet me on the, the 10th or the 9th green at, like, 9 o'clock tonight, you know? Like, a couple of references he could have thrown in there, but I know the actual actor who is Shooter McGavin, um, he's had kind of a rough go of it. He's been seen publicly intoxicated, like, very frequently. So I don't know if he could have the capacity to remember the the role he actually played in happy gilmore 
Um, but it was just still like just the best content. Adam Sandler's a legend. Hate him or love him, he's that was one of the best movies he's ever made, and it's it's still it's it's a timeless movie. You could watch it tonight and love it and crack up. You know, it's it yeah, never gets old. You could watch it in forty years and still love it. Oh, a hundred percent. It's timeless. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so let's yeah, let's hop into our uh, well, superstitions. Not yet. No, we got a few more. I got a few more notes from the tournament this past oh, weekend. Okay. okay. Um. So on, I think it was on Thursday, a young man named Akshay Batia, he hit all eighteen greens at Pebble Beach, and that's only been done, um, in points oh seven of rounds since nineteen eighty three on the PGA Tour. So one round out of every fourteen hundred and seventy two. So pretty incredible stuff from that kid. Um, I, I see him as an up and coming player for sure. And dude, oh, for sure, dude's just a grinder. And he's, yeah, he's eighteen. I mean, and he's out on tour already. Like he totally skipped college. He's already got status. Um, he's a George Jenkins guy for anybody who knows who Gigi Swing Tips is. He's a great follow on Twitter um, and Instagram. He's hilarious and provides some really good insight. Uh, but yeah, that's just one of the many players. Gankus has in his stable that's uh, an up-and-comer that's going to be a household name for a while. Yeah, and then uh, never give up is one of the, the terms in golf that it's in every sport, but Charlie Hoffman this week, I don't know if you how closely you paid attention, he was six over through his first ten holes at the start of Pebble Beach and found himself on the final page of the leaderboard the last day on Sunday. He made that is impressive. He made over 400 feet of putts going into his back nine of Sunday. At Holy Pebble. shit. Yeah. And at, Pebble, that's even, rock. and at Pebble, that's impressive because the greens are so damn small. Like, he was making everything he looked at, so. Yeah, he was, like, what was he doing? Aiming at the edge of every green just so he could make it from the edge? Yeah, when you're, like, when you're the high. The most you're you high. can have is, like, a 30, 40-footer out there. Yeah, and then uh, one last note I found insane is so Daniel Berger, the winner, obviously taking home the trophy this weekend. He now has played twenty six straight rounds on tour at par or better, and that's his the second. He's he did that last year too, and that's his second straight. So it's his second straight season of twenty six rounds of in a row of par or better, and that's only been done three times, once by him, and then both Tiger and Phil did it in two thousand and two thousand one. And Berger had a quote, it was funny, not kind of related to this, but Berger had a quote afterwards that I, I enjoyed, and he said, winning a golf tournament just feels like having a heart attack on every single hole. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's one of the most nerve-wracking things. I mean, obviously, neither of us have participated at that level, but even at the, the levels we have participated at, being in contention, more or less, is... One of the most nerve-wracking things, it feels like your legs are just jello, your mind is racing, all these different scenarios, and, and that's what makes these dudes so good, is they can go out and just lock in, like, they're, they're the epitome of, don't think, don't worry about doing something bad, like, focus on doing something good, you know, they're not like, oh my god, don't hit it in the water left, they're like, I'm hitting my, on 18 at Pebble, for instance, oh my god, don't hit it in the water, don't hit it in the ocean, blah blah blah, these guys step up they aim at that tree and they're like i am hitting a piss missile at this tree and it's either going to bank off the tree it's going to roll under the tree but i know and they just commit like there's tee shots like that on tour every tournament where you look at these guys and your average golfer is just weak in the knees over it they're they're just struggling so mightily with trying not to fuck it up that they end up it's a self-fulfilling prophecy they end up pissing down their leg like they end up hitting in the water. They end up doing exactly what they didn't want to do. And these guys, that's what just makes them so good and so head and shoulders above everybody. And one other quick thing about Berger real quick. Um, any of you who have seen him swing, the, it's it's actually very um, functionally good, like everything lines up. But aesthetically speaking, it's, it's weird looking. And so when you have a good swing going and you create your own swing, don't look as much at aesthetics as look at positions and make sure you're getting compression on the ball and a few other basic things, but don't worry about all the, the looks, you know, there's plenty of people out there that have really nice looking swings that don't play very good golf. Like Daniel Berger, he could step onto spring Valley's number one tee. And if you just watch him swing, he'd be like, Oh, he's probably a pretty good player, but nothing, 
you know, nothing crazy, and the dude's a multiple PGA Tour winner. So uh, just another word of encouragement to everybody out there when you're creating your own swing and you're grooving your own swing, don't go looking at other tour guys. Don't go emulating anybody's swing. Focus on your own um, your own statistics and your, your own swing characteristics as opposed to being like, oh, I want to swing it like Rory. I want to swing it like Ricky. I want to swing it like Tiger. That doesn't work, you know. It's it's kind of the old adage, swing your own swing, but it's it is very very real. So um, I thought I just think it's cool every time a guy like him wins or, or he Daniel Berger wins, like just to go and show everybody you don't need to have a swing like Adam Scott or whatever in order to go out there and, and compete at the highest level. Yeah, and what what were what you were just talking about, Daniel Berger. Uh, is going to go into our tour players in general is going to go lead us right into our superstitions and routines and I'm very superstitious when it comes to the golf course and routine wise I'm okay but I definitely like I use a glove only on the first hole generally speaking because my hands are so sweaty because I'm so nervous and you don't want to go full club ejecto over a hundred yards away exactly and I, no matter what the first hole is, I have to hit driver off of it because if it is an iron shot, I will top it or a hybrid. Yeah. I 100% will. I do not feel comfortable at all hitting a anything less than driver off the first You'll tee. You'll go 100% Francesco Molinari on that thing. Yeah, exactly. What a great – that was awesome. And then he tweeted yeah, about Yeah, let's quickly comment on that. That's about the funniest shit I've seen in a while. And it makes it even better because it's the first tee. Like it's much more relatable in that way. Um because in it, it, I don't know if it was jitters. I'm sure it wasn't jitters because those guys really like he's won ten plus times. You know, it's not like a an unfamiliar scenario for him. But it happens to literally everybody. I I've topped the shit out of it, and I'm not like even comparing myself to those guys. But I top it all the time. Spencer tops it. Everybody tops it. Like it, but it just is so relatable and. I, I, do, I didn't follow up. Do you know what he made on that hole? I make bogey, probably. I, I actually didn't see. Yeah, I was just cracking up. And somebody, uh, one of the best comments I thought was somebody just said, good audio. Like, and, and it sounded good. And that's what makes you think that, like, the PGA Tour maybe pipes in audio on some of these guys' shots. Well, Andy uh, had, like, 136 ball speed on it, too. Yeah, I mean, to completely, like, miss three-quarters of the ball and still create that kind of speed, that's uh, that's efficiency there. That's just raw power from Frankie Molinari. But that was one of the funnier things the entire tournament, too. I yeah. had to quickly comment on that. So before we get into our superstitions and read some of the comments and mentions we got from our DNVR golf fam, I want to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook now and use that promo code DNVR to turn $1 into $100 on any NBA game this whole week if your team that you bet on hits a three. So this is a very simple, it's a no-brainer bet. You sign up, you use the code DNVR, and you bet on the Nuggets, let's say. They're playing uh, the Celtics. Um, And if Jamal Murray hits a three, which he will, then you get $100 off of a $1 bet. So... Use that code DNVR, sign up for DraftKings. I know DraftKings is going to be doing a ton of stuff when it comes to March Madness, which is about the most electric betting scenario there is in the world. Just because there's so many games going on, there's so many upsets, there's 64 you know, sixty-four teams in a little packed-in area all going at it. So there's going to be a lot of fun for March Madness next week, or next month, excuse me. But right now, if, if you're uh, into betting basketball, you can drop that DNVR code in there, and your first bet, you're basically guaranteeing yourselves $100 if your team hits a three in an NBA game. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use that promo code DNVR, and turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this entire week. So pretty much guaranteed. That's promo code DNVR for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball game. You must be 21 or older. Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions do apply. Winnings paid out in four $25 free, dollar bet, or $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, raising hand here, call 1-800-522-4700. 
All right, so let's get into. My name is my name is Mitchell, and I am a degenerate gambler. <laughs> All right, that's, so that's our little club. Let's get into some superstitions we have on the golf course. Um, before we get into our listener and Twitter and Discord submissions, let's go with. Uh, I'll, uh, what are some of your little superstitions? Because I thought, like reading these from submissions from people, I was like, oh, that's. You know, I'm, I consider myself a very superstitious person in all facets. Every game I've ever played, my daily life, I, I take a shower, I have to put my left foot under the sink or the faucet after I'm done, and then my right foot afterwards. Like, it's just, I'm very superstitious. So what are some what are some things you that do? That might be like with? OCD. I don't even know if that's superstitious. That's just like a, a thing that you have. Um, my, I, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself crazy superstitious. Like, I... I kind of thrive on on switching it up because I feel like if you lean too much on something, then if it gets taken away and you're just like panic mode, you're like, oh my God, I, if I can't have this, then I'm absolutely hosed kind of thing. Like, I don't have a specific ball marker that I play with. Um, I do have some uh, money from Scotland, uh, some, some uh, quid, I think is what they call it over there. Um, who the hell knows? But I... Uh, Use coins from Scotland, um, which is pretty cool, the, the golf homeland. But other than that, like, I, I wouldn't call myself very superstitious with anything that I do. Um, one of my biggest, it's not a superstition, but one of my biggest things uh, that I hate doing, and it is, it, it's kind of a, a weird um, thing, is I, I can't stand, like, birdieing the first hole. It's, it's just reeks like 82 all over it for me um it's not a really good thing i've had rounds in the past like i would consider myself a back nine player and everybody's different in that way you know like uh a lot of people play better on the front nine and kind of run out of gas on the back nine i i consider like the first four to five holes a warm-up almost so if i can get through those holes relatively unscathed like I will say this. I'd rather make bogey on the first than birdie. I mean, I'd, par is my preferred score, but bogey's kind of like you're getting that equivalent to basketball. You're taking that first shot. If it misses, you're like, okay, well, I got to miss. You know, that monkey's kind of off my back. And I guess it's all kind of perspective because uh, some people, if they make a, a bad number on the first hole, that round's going straight down the shitter. So, but that's my thing is like, I, uh, I just don't like birdieing the first hole. And a quick fun story, um, well, I guess they're kind of two separate stories on the exact same golf hole, uh, two separate years. So I I play, well, I, I used to play in the Colorado Open Qualifier, usually at this place called Legacy Ridge, um, if any of you are familiar with it, up in Westminster. And I started on the 10th hole both of these years. It's a drivable par four, uh, like, 310 315 yards somewhere in that area and so two separate years i played with a guy um different two different guys who both made eagle on that hole they one guy hit it's like six inches almost aced it on a par four um and he literally ended up withdrawing from the tournament three holes later because his dad um him and his dad were in a big argument apparently and he hit one OB, and his dad, he could see his dad off in the distance, like, threw his arms up. Like, he, and he knew his dad was just super upset. And he's like, fuck this shit, I'm out. And he just walked off, like, literally three holes after, two holes after he made Eagle. Like, he was still under par, and he walked off the golf course. So, not a great omen there. And then another year, a guy holed out a wedge on the same hole for Eagle. He was two under on his first hole. And then he, uh, he ends up shooting, like, one or two over on the nine on the the back nine, our first nine, and he goes, "Hey guys, I'm going to catch an earlier flight out of out to Phoenix," and literally just withdrew after nine holes. And uh, so it's just a weird thing. Like I've I've never played with anybody else who's withdrawn from that tournament other than those two guys who both eagled their first hole. So just such a weird uh, call it coincidence, but that's my thing is you you can't lose your entire wad on the first hole you gotta you know start off steady make a par or two even to throw a bogey in there but then you can always get it back and golf's a, a long round so i just 
I, I'm big on that first hole thing. Yeah, a nice tap-in par for me, like a two-putt par is like my ideal. Yeah, just a relaxing, no-anxiety type of par. You hit the green, two-putt, get out of there, that's ideal. Yeah, so getting into some of the superstitions and uh, routines that we got submitted to us, uh, one of our guys, Michael Harrison, he said he basically has the same waggle every time, but he honestly hates it, and he says he takes too long to the ball. That, that can stress you out when you do that. It's always good to have a routine before you swing, um, and having that waggle is just part of that. But if you take too long over the ball, sometimes you can freeze yourself, and that's usually never a good thing, especially in the golf swing. Um, our boy Liam West, he has a couple here. He said he never uses stray balls he finds during a round. I cannot say the same. I definitely, <laughs> if I find a stray pro, oh, that's going right on right right in the bag and maybe use the next hole when I, when I wash one. Um, buff Fanatic on here. I pretty re- religiously never break 100. <laughs> so, uh, email us, BuffFanatic at golfbros at thednvr.com. We'll hit you up with some lessons. Um, uh, Liam also says, I don't wash my clubs after a good round. So that's kind of a weird thing, or not a weird thing. Well, but that's like, kind of a like a, a traditional like a, a fan of a, a sports team. If the team wins, you know they don't wash that jersey until they lose, kind of thing. Like, which I like. I, I really do like that one. That's good. This may be like gross here, but like I don't ever wash my jerseys. Like I usually wear an undershirt underneath it, but like I like unless I, I have an egregious mustard stain. On like a jersey, I, I never really wash my jerseys. I always you've just been kinda... known to like take a couple of hot dogs to the face during those games and <laughs> Philly cheesesteaks and multiple other things. The way Spencer eats at sporting events is downright sickening. Um, the way I yeah. eat after I consume alcohol is just downright <laughs> sickening. <laughs> oh yeah, hundred percent. It's a it's quite the sight to see. Um, the only time I've ever really needed to wash a jersey is when I tried to sneak booze into a Broncos game um, in the form of binocular flasks. Oh, I love uh, those. I thought those were yeah. going to be so clutch. They're awesome until they leak all over your vintage John Elway jersey, but you're too hammered to realize it until there's just a gigantic brown whiskey stain covering the front of your jersey. So that's, that's yeah, I, I generally don't wash my jerseys either. But like, like we're saying, these are different people's superstitions. But I will say... Um, one thing to the club cleaning deal, I don't mind, like, people who don't, like, that's a cool superstition, I like that, but please clean your golf clubs, like, people come to us and they're like, how do I create spin? I'm like, I look at their club and it just looks like a clod of dirt on the end of a shaft. I'm like, well, let's start here, because spin is created by friction, and you can't fucking throw dirt at a golf ball and make it spin, that just doesn't work. Like, it needs to connect with something else to create spin. So clean your clubs, please. Like, you don't necessarily have to do it right after your round, but clean, please clean your golf clubs. Like that shit is just terrifying to me. Um, take a tee to the grooves. It doesn't need to look. It doesn't need to look cute. But fucking take care of it. That's that is one of my big pet peeves. I and I have never mentioned that, but that's something I just can't stand. Speaking of cleaning clubs, I think this is maybe my favorite submission. Ben Wilson, uh, our buddy Ben. Follow him on Instagram at bwill with one elf seven. Um, he said, "I definitely always wash my clubs the night before a tournament round." And he said, "I also <laughs> sleep sleeping with a T in the top of my ass crack." <laughs> I don't know if that's real I don't, I or don't fake. Think that's real, but that is fucking hilarious. But I, I literally. <laughs> Laughed out loud the first time I saw that when I saw it yesterday. So Ben, thank you for the laugh, dude. I'm like reading it right now. I'm crying currently on the Zoom. I call. was wondering what Spencer is laughing his ass. I was just waiting to say it because it was so fucking good. <laughs> oh, what, a le- what a legend! Oh, that is so good. Um, our buddy, my buddy Dan Hargrove, uh, he submitted one and he said, I make sure to always shank my first tee shot no matter what hole I'm on. <laughs> so Dan Hargrove, big, uh, breakfast ball guy, it sounds like, um, our, our guy RK, um, you know, we play, RK is the dude we probably played the most golf with in the last year, or at least me, I know for sure. Uh, he said he can't start drinking if he's playing well. And I said back, uh... 
No, I usually start the other way around. Drink first and wait to start hitting it bad, then change it up. And he said, yeah, drink first. If you aren't playing well, add in a zinner. So. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, pop a zin. Um, no, I, I, see, my thing is, is like, I have to, I, okay, this makes me sound like a total full-blown alcoholic. Um, also, real quick shout-out to uh, Breckenridge Brewery. They just dropped seltzers this week. Oh, good um, company. I'm recording a... We're recording a promo on Thursday for Breck Celsius, and I'm going to be at the bar, and I think I'm going to drink a full 15-pack and review it afterwards, like that viral TikTok. Oh, do it. Yeah, dude, that would be, be amazing. Electric. But Ryan put in our, our company Slack, just in the like casual part of it, he goes, Breck Seltzers are going to be my entire personality all summer. <laughs> And I thought that was great. I was like, 100%, that is my summer. I, I am like half human, half seltzer all summer long. Um, so I had to give him a quick shout out there. Also, RK is like Spencer's new golf buddy. Like I've been replaced kind of. So that's cool. Um, I'm not sure what happened there, but we'll we're, we'll circle back to that at a later point. Uh, but the whole drinking thing, some people can handle it. Some people can't. Um, it's a tolerance you have to build up that I have uh, had a lot of experience doing, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. But, like, when I first turned 21, if I had, like, I could have, like, maybe two drinks on the golf course and be okay. If I went, like, over three, I would turn into a 50 handicap, like, topping it just all over the board. Um but I've progressed to the point now in that area where the last time I got really drunk on the golf course, I ended up birdieing six of the last seven holes. Um, we played like 27 that day and I didn't drink the first 18. I shot like one over par and I wasn't like, it was kind of, I was ambivalent about it. It wasn't either here or there. And then we started drinking fairly heavily on the last nine and I birdied six of the last seven and just in an absolute beat down. Um, so that's where I am at with drinking on the golf course. I, I feel more than comfortable with throwing a few shots down. Um, and there's some other stories of, uh, scrambles that we've played where way too many drinks were consumed and what, what followed that, um, that those are for uh, maybe another podcast, but yeah, well, our, our boy, Dominic Kapuska, Dr. Kapuska on Twitter, he said he always takes a shot of whiskey, a swing lube before he hits the range. And that's. No matter if you're playing at 6 in the morning or 6 in the evening, that's always the play. Oh, yeah. If you're at the golf course, you're allowed to drink and not get shamed. Like, guys roll in, taking shots of whiskey, like, straight to the face at 6 a.m., I don't know if I could bear it or would recommend it, but more power to you. Um, I can tell you a lot of mini tour players and even a lot of PGA Tour players um, they smoke weed before their round. Uh, I don't know how much PGA Tour players get drug tested, but I know a lot of those guys like the electric lettuce. Um, even a few guys I know, I played with, t- they take a few shots before the round, just take the edge off, like because it, you know you have those butterflies and you have a few cocktails, you get a little liquid courage in you, and you think you can do just about anything. So um I, i'm fully on board with that shot before the driving range thing yeah well the best round of golf i ever played i shot 69 in a tournament round nice at aspen Glen. nice and i was full on buzzed and smoking i smoked three cigars during the 18 holes and it was just i was just in a perfect zone because you know me when i get too far drunk it's it's game over but when i get into like a perfect like chill zone with drinking and smoking cigars uh, there was no stopping me that day. I was just pipe show on the green birdies. Yeah, Spencer's like a Tiger Woods ball striker when he's like half hammered smoking a cigar. Like, the more casual, the better you play, and I I respect that. Exactly. I bet you smelled like a trash can after those three cigars, though. Good Lord. <laughs> Most likely. Uh, our boy Sam Gibb, he said he doesn't take a practice swing because he's nervous he'll waste a good swing. And uh, this is partially true, but I also say, like, a practice swing is huge because you want to get the feeling for what you're going to, like, I always tell people that the swing right before you make a swing, you have to act like you're swinging at the ball, and then you just have to recreate that swing back-to-back while that feeling's in your mind. So, Sammy, you got to make a practice swing, dude, because it, it's not going to waste a good one, 
it's most likely just going to have you hit making a good swing, and then you just follow it up with another good swing. Well, yeah, and spin zone to that. What if you're everybody's taking a practice swing? They're like, oh my god, that was dog shit. What if that wasn't your practice swing? What if that was your real swing? You know, it could go either way. So maybe you get the bad swing out of the way, and then you step up and you make a good swing. That's yeah. always a very real possibility. Yeah, exactly. Um, my my buddy Chris Bame, he's a PGA pro over at Red Hawk. If you guys ever go to Red Hawk, say what's up. He's to a him legend. Close. He uh, he can't swing with anything in his pockets, and this is actually one of mine. Um, I can't swing with anything in my front two pockets. If I have like a T or something, I, I put it in that little like mini pocket inside my pocket and that's okay but nothing can be in my pockets and my other big superstition which i said i'm very superstitious i have like 30 or 40 ball markers and every time i miss a putt that was makeable like three four five six feet or a big birdie putt under like 10 feet like i don't get unrealistic with it but anytime i miss a putt that's makeable i immediately take that ball marker out of the bag and put in a different and or put it back in the bag and put a different one in my pocket unrealistic for you is like you're going to be doing that like never (laughs) (laughs) missing unrealistic putts i'm just kidding um i figured chris's would be he couldn't swing if he didn't have a chew and a cigarette in his mouth at the same time (laughs) that's how that dude plays golf and it is absolutely hilarious to watch it's we go full degenerate mode out there at red hawk in spring valley it's uh the bev card is frequented the nicotine is is definitely frequented also not promoting nicotine or anything like that, but that's just our degenerate ways. Um, and Chris is a, a legend. We had him on the podcast, if if anybody remembers. Um, what was it, probably September? Yeah, the Country Club Life podcast, talking about the difference between, you know, public courses, private courses with Corey and stuff. So Yeah, but yeah, that dude is an absolute legend. So shout out Chris Bame. I love that guy. Um, my guy, Winston. Uh, I can't really read this whole message because I don't know how PG it is, but he do- he says something to the effect of he has to get his prostate massaged or else he doesn't play well. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. I love you, Winston. I can't read the rest of that, though, because I don't know. That's that's taking it a little bit over the top for me. <laughs> um, a good one we got from Eric Hallberg, who you played today, played with today. Uh, he's, this is crazy. I've, I've kind of never thought of this, but he said he... He always carries three mar- three ball markers in his pocket, a small dime size for short putts, a medium quarter size for longer putts, and a manhole cover, like big poker chip style for lag putts. So that's that's in his bag. That's super That's next style. level thinking. Like I, I don't have that many thoughts in my head at any point in the day, more or less on the golf course at all times. Um, yeah, and I actually, this is kind of ironic, I couldn't find a ball marker all day, so luckily enough, I was in, I had to bum a marker one time because I had like a a four foot look at birdie, and it didn't even matter because Stephen made birdie. But that was the only time I had to mark my ball all day, because other than that, I was either raking it or it was good. So um, I did not use a ball marker, but once today, and it was Stevens, and I wish Eric would have popped in there and offered me his his small to medium sized ball marker <laughs> for that for that medium sized putt <laughs> uh, some other submissions we got on facebook uh, morgan nelson somebody you grew up with she uh played high school golf she said her weird routine is avoiding wildlife at all costs so if there's geese in the fairway she's in the rough one time a goose chased her and she never wants it to happen again so that that's kind of a funny like little weird routine i guess you i usually try to hit the geese if I can, but not on the, like, as long as it's later in the ball flight, not going to ruin my, my golf shot. Another good one we got from uh, Tom Beckett, he said, I have to put three different quarters in his pocket um, and then choose the right one, or he th- puts three different quarters in his left pocket, chooses the one that feels right, and then it goes in the right pocket. Then he puts three tees in his left pocket with no red or white tees allowed, and he keeps his shoes untied on the range, then loosely tied before teeing off. So, that's, that's pretty deep. Yeah, that's deep too. Uh, Brett Yates, he said he has to play. He has to have one ball in his right pocket while he's playing, and while waggle the club four times before he hits. I, having a ball in my pocket drives me crazy. I, I having anything in my pocket drives me crazy, but having a ball like sticking out where you can see it, I can't do that. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's pretty standard procedure for most players because it's just that shank, quick drop. Like, you don't even have to walk back to the cart. You just drop another one and hit it right there. So I'd say that's pretty standard procedure. But, yeah, I cannot stand um, having anything in my pockets, especially a ball. Like, I, at most, I go, like, one tee, one ball marker, one um, divot repair tool, and that's pretty much it. I can't have a, a pocket full of shit. Yeah. Um, some of our uh, Twitter submissions, small ball 303, this one's pretty good. My grandpa used to address the ball, then pick up his club and aim it at the target like a rifle, and he'd then spray it right every single time. <laughs> uh, you love to see it. Uh, Drew Allen at the underscore Drew underscore abides on Twitter. He said if he touches the putter face with his hand before the putt, he will not make it. If he touches it, he has to back off and start over again or accept that that putt just became a lag putt. So if he touches his <laughs> so just putter some face... bad juju. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I've never, like... It's crazy to, like... I was excited to see all of these um, because I... It's just, like, all the little things that go into your mind that change, like, what you do, you know? Like, uh, Maddie Bicknell, he said he marks the ball, cleans it, lines up the lines... If he's got to make the putt, like really has to make it, he contorts his stance into a weird yoga pose of reckless nervousness. He calls it downward squatting paranoid dog. <laughs> and then he said, the butt wiggle is contagious. You play enough with me, your butt will wiggle upon addressing the ball. He has a huge collection of ball markers, different for every round, and he has a green towel from the Rockies World Series game from the first time ever at Coors. So that's kind of a cool thing to keep on your bag. That is very cool. Um, it, it sounds like his uh, putting stance turns into Tim Duncan shooting a free throw. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it is. Just a quick like knee knocking, like your legs are all over the place. You just don't quite. You're pigeon toed. You're not quite sure where you're at with it. Mike Colander says, "I have to have an odd number of tees in my pocket. If he breaks one, he either gets another one out of his bag or puts one from his pocket into his bag." In his pre-shot routine. I adjust my hat and glove, then out of, and even out of habit, I'll still reach for my hat if I'm not wearing one. That's fuck. That's pretty crazy, right there. I've uh, been there for sure. Uh, Matt Jenkins says, after attempting to read the green as I walk back to my ball, for some reason I give my putter a twirl like that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> like it's doing something magical. I do. I don't quite go full Keegan Bradley with it. Like if you don't know. Um, what Keegan Bradley's pre-shot routine looks like. It's about 15 minutes of just spinning the club in his hands, and then he stands over it for like half a second and then goes. Um, I wouldn't go, I, I wouldn't say I go that far, but I do frequently spin the club in my hands like that. It's like kind of a nervous tick type of thing for me. Yeah, and I, I kind of used to do this too from Michael Harrison as well. He said he used to have a habit in high school of keeping a tea in his mouth like a cigarette. Cringe. He said, I guess I was just trying to be like John Daly. And I've done that, too. I've had, like, I usually keep a tea in my mouth. It is it is gross to think about when you think about, like, the grass and, like, the dirt. But I, I, I kind of do that, too, sometimes. And it, I don't even think about it. It's just, like, there for three, four holes, and I don't even realize it. Yeah, I think it's, like, an oral fixation thing um, for me, personally. Because uh, I used to do that. I would, like, chew on a tea. Like, you know, you chew on a pencil. I would chew on a tea, like, in high school. Um, I know Tim Rusk, our, our buddy, that we've frequently talked about. He has to have tees above his ears, kind of like a cigarette or a pencil in it. Or, no, I'm sorry. He actually tucks them in under his hat. That's where he keeps his tees is under his hat, like behind his right ear, which I've always thought is weird and uncomfortable. Like I would not be able to hit, like if somebody put a tee in my hat like that, I would immediately be completely awful at golf. Like I just don't think I could get past it. Yeah, our uh, yeah, it just like is like it's just uncomfortable to me to have anything on my ears. That's like one of the reasons I hate masks so much. Like my ears, I don't like like sticking out like Dumbo all the time. That's just not a not a good look for me. Take Um, those ears back, boy. uh, Mike Paw says he has he says he can't play without a mouthful of sunflower seeds. So kind of another oral fixation thing, but just make sure you don't spit those bad boys on the green. That pisses. Me off and just golfers off in general. You can spit them anywhere you want, just don't spit them on the green. Yeah, that is shockingly a bone of contention with a lot of the golf world is sunflower seeds on the golf course. And I love sunflower seeds. Like, 
don't get me wrong, I get down on barbecue, uh, ranch, us being baseball players, it's like in our blood, we're big sunflower guys. Um, oh, dill pickle, holy shit. Shout out to the best flavor of sunflower seed ever created. Like, just the perfect amount of salt and kind of like bitter. Um, yeah, 100%. But yeah, just please don't spit them on the green. Uh, it's kind of, kind of annoying. Yeah, Alex Barba, uh, Alex Barba 33 on Twitter says, he's from Nevada, so he always uses a Nevada quarter in his ball marker. And he has like five to ten in his bag, so that's kind of cool. Just kind of keeping it consistent um, with the Nevada ball marker. I I have a lot of cool. I always get one from a casino. I always keep a dollar chip from a casino, and that's like what I use as a lot of mine, which is annoying to a lot of people, especially like more pros that hate the big ball markers. But I love them, and I love casinos and dollars. So I'm gonna keep I doing that. One of my superstitions is I can never like. I always end up losing ball markers or I leave them on my nightstand or the kitchen table. Like, so I, I can never keep a consistent one because I consistently lose it. So I, my superstition is I can never like use the same thing. Um, who, Oh, Justin Serbo, our good friend and, uh, fellow PGA professional. He, his superstition is he has to borrow a ball marker from somebody in the group the entire round. He never has his own. He always has to ask to borrow it. from, And he, he makes a point to do that. It's not like he forgets. He has to borrow just a random ball marker from somebody throughout the round, which is also kind of a uh, an opposite of what most people do. You know, you have that favorite lucky ball marker, and he's like, no, I just want anything. And that's that's kind of how I am, too. I just, I'm fine with switching it up. Yeah, uh, Zach Borgen. Cyborg Fitness on Twitter, he said, My dad used to make a sacrifice to the golf gods on the first round of every year by leaving a ball in each type of hazard. That's that's kind of a cool little, like... That's low-key, like, genius. Yeah, that's you know? playing like 40 paying chess. Homage, pay homage to the gods and, and just humbly serve these golf balls up to them as penance for your prior mistakes and hope they don't take a... a a hundred dozen more throughout the year. I usually do that my first round of the year too, but it's not on axe or it's not on purpose. <laughs> I was going to say like, it, it's funny that I, I think he's being serious, but um, I'm sure he probably does it after 18. Cause there's a, probably a few that are already lost that he doesn't even have to. <laughs> he's like, Oh, I already covered the water. Don't need to throw one in there. I already covered the bushes, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, that, that's a pretty good one. I like that. And then Nick Scott at Receiver10 on Twitter says, playing bad is kind of my routine. And once again, Nick Scott at golfbros at the dnvr.com. Email us. We'll get you hooked up with some lessons. So thank you guys for all the submissions. We enjoy reading all those. Those are like our f- most fun times on the pod is getting to read and interact with you guys on Twitter in general. Uh, so if you're not following us on Twitter, do it at dnvr underscore golf. Follow um, us on TikTok, dnvr underscore golf as well. Uh, before we wrap this, up this pod, let's do our weekly uh, picks for this week at uh, Riviera. Who you got, Mitch? Our, our DraftKings, the America's top-rated sportsbook picks of the week. All right, so I just have to say really quick, um, I was shuffling through like all the odds on the DraftKings sportsbook app, and it's kind of like sad to see some of these guys that are just like so not close to winning that used to be just household names like... Just to name a few, you've got Jim Furyk, uh, Podrick Harrington, Stuart Sink, Brian Gaze won like a handful of times. These guys are all like plus twenty-five to thirty thousand to win the tournament. Like, you know what I mean? Back ten years ago, they're most of the time their odds-on favorite, or they're right up there. And honestly, I didn't even know that Jim Furyk. Well, Furyk's over fifty, so I think he plays um, on the Champions Tour also. Um, Stuart Sink, I think, is over 50, if not close. Uh, he's got a kid, I think, who's like 23 or 24 or something. So I, I, you got to think he's right up there. Um, I think Padraig Harrington's getting there. And Brian Gay is like in his mid to late 40s. So some older guys, but I was just shuffling through all the odds, and I'm like, holy shit, like these guys used to be household names, and now you can bet them plus 30,000, like, just unbelievably sick odds for them to win because it's most likely not going to happen. Um, but anywho, my uh, so I've got a, a, a top 10, a top 5, and then a winner. Uh, my top 10, 
at plus a thousand, I feel like is a pretty good value. Um, I'm going to go with Maverick Neely. Uh, he had a great showing at Pebble this last week. Um, kind of came onto the scene. I mean, everybody knows he's a, a young star. He's from Stanford. Uh, he's a California kid. Riviera is right up his alley. Haha. <laughs> uh, no pun intended because Riviera's nickname is Hogan's Alley, where Ben Hogan um, kind of put his stamp on the game. Not a really funny golf joke that I just made there, but uh, McNeely plus a thousand to top ten it. Um, I think those are good enough odds, and he's playing good golf, so why not? Uh, Bryson DeChambeau plus three fifty to top five. Um, he's been playing good golf as. We're not a Bryson DeChambeau podcast, if I'm being very real. Um, just not a, a real big fan of the guy. But Riviera is one of those courses where uh, you can hit it long and you can kind of overpower the place in certain spots. Uh, it's a, it's definitely a shot maker's golf course, but distance does play a big factor. It plays between 73 and 7,400, so it's not short by any means, especially at sea level. Um, so I've got him at top five plus 350. And then I'm going back to the well here. Uh, I think I, I hit a bet with Victor Hovland a few weeks back. Um, he's playing some really good golf right now. So I got him to win uh, plus 3,500. Really good odds for a guy like that. Like I think Dustin Johnson is like plus 550 to win. Like That's outrageous. I, I know there's a really good chance he does. But just betting on golf odds with like those kinds of odds when there's 140 some players in the field and you're betting on one dude and it's like plus or like five to one, you know, it just doesn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But uh, I've got Hovland plus 3,500. He's 21st this year in strokes gained tee to green. He's already got two top tens and a, a win in seven events this year, so he's playing his ass off. He's great off the tee. He drives the ball really well, and he's great around the greens. His his uh, approach shot numbers aren't great, but really good off the tee, and you have to drive it straight out of Riviera. There's not a lot of room for air. There's some huge old trees out there, so uh, got to drive it straight, and you got to be good around the greens. They're always super slick, super undulated. Um, so I like Hovland to win it at plus 3,500. Funny story about Hovland, it like surfaced on Twitter today, him doing an interview, and he was talking about the first time he ever played Hogan's Alley. He's like, fuck, I played nine holes, I didn't make any birdies, and I think I made like seven straight bogeys. <laughs> Which is just funny uh, because he's such yeah, a good dude, player. He, he is awesome, like he's just a really likable guy. He's he's quickly becoming one of my favorite tour players. He's got like a super contagious smile, he's always smiling. Apparently he's into like, his favorite music is like death metal which is really out of left field for a guy like he dresses in bright colors. He, he always seems like smiling with like laughing, smiling, that kind of thing. And he like, he was doing an interview. He's like, yeah, death metal is my, my favorite. Like that's my shit. And it just doesn't add up, but you know, people's music tastes each their own. Um, but I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. So my picks for this week, um, I'm going to go back to your well. And I think we're always, like I said, we're always a week behind on picks he struggled last week, uh, but he did play well here last year at Riviera. Joel Dahman, top 20, that's plus 800. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, so Joel, I'm looking for Joel Dahman to finish in the top 20 this week, um, and that's plus 800, so risk 10 to win 80 or collect 90. Um, I'm going to go Dustin Johnson, top 5. Uh, it's just like one of those, like I'm kind of pulling for straws here. It's only plus 120. He's a great player. He's just won two weeks ago. He took last week off. He's like I don't think he's finished outside the top five at Riviera, and like he's finished in the top five like five of the last six times he's played there. So just it's not very good odds, but take Dustin Johnson top five plus one twenty, and then I'm, I'm gonna pick uh, my winner this week gonna be Justin Thomas. Uh, he has he's taken a couple weeks off, but he's always in the mix and he's plus fourteen hundred. So take Justin Thomas to win it. Once again, we basically base these top ten, top twenty unit or top twenty plays on one unit, and then our we go like half a unit for our winners. So it's usually five units a week. So get in there, log into DraftKings if you haven't signed up. Sign up using the code DNVR. You get your free hundred dollar bet, and then you can start betting golf and hopefully turn that hundred into a thousand. So 
that is it for us this week, Mitch. Thanks for joining me from beautiful AZ. Appreciate you. Enjoy the warm weather. Um, all you DNVR golf fam out there, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok. You know, all the different social media sites. And uh, for us, for now, we'll talk to you guys next week.